we're going to talk a little bit over the next few moments. John and I are going to kind of tag team preach. And um, we're going to talk about focus. Maybe you could just take your seat just for a few moments. We're going to talk about where our focus is. And, and that song lifts us up, doesn't it, to focus on, hey, let's remember where we're going. Paul said it this way, the Apostle Paul He said in Philippians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, This one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, but straining to what is ahead, I press on towards the goal that leads me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I wonder today what your focus is. I wonder, you know, when I was growing up, there was always variety acts and there was always a one-man band and he'd have a guitar and cymbals on his feet and a drum on the back and strings attached and, you know, a whistle. And, you know, it was so cluttered and confusing for people that, you know, they'd be kind of attuned, but not really. I wonder today if there's so much clutter in our lives, whether or not, your focus is off. Do you know something unusual about me? Well, there's lots of unusual things about me, but I've got three pairs of glasses. I've got a pair of glasses where I look at the computer. I've got my general glasses, and these are actually my speaking glasses. They are, they are, they're there. There's a special prescription that I can look down and see my notes more at a distance. Oh, you didn't know that, did you? Okay, you don't seem that impressed either. But here's the point. We all need to be able to focus. And I wonder whether or not you've got the wrong glasses on. Whether you're focused on one thing when you really should have another focus on something in the distance. Or whether you're looking at something behind you when really you should be focusing on the things right now. I wonder where your focus is today. Come and join me, Jono. Let's give it up for Jono, shall we? Jono's going to take us into a, a little study on how we press on towards the goal. But can I just leave you with this question? Where's your focus? Thanks, Jono. If you'll take us on from here. Thank you. Give it up for Mark, would you? And uh, good afternoon, everybody. It's a real joy to... uh, come and share uh, today in tag team with uh, Pastor Mark just to look at this um, wonderful theme of fixing our focus. Say something to, to someone near you, fix your focus. And um, I would like if you could turn with me to the Scripture, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to verse 27. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. We're going to get straight into this, and it says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Wonderful portion of Scripture from from Paul. And in this section of Scripture, we have this 
uh, analogy or this picture of an athlete in a contest. Uh, and this is what was going on in the, in the city of Corinth. The, there were these races. In fact, apparently every three years, uh, they had what was called the Isthmian Games, uh, which were held right outside of the city gates. Uh, and so they all came out to watch these games. It was popular. Even Paul must have come and to, gone to watch this. It was a huge event. And so for Paul, life was a race like that. And every contestant had to be focused. But not only that, every contestant needed to learn self-discipline. And so these Corinthians knew that any athlete who participated in these games, they had to take an oath to train for 10 months. That's a long time, isn't it? 10 months of hardcore training. And so they had to give up certain foods in their diet. Sound familiar for those who've been fasting in the last year? Or was not the last year, should I say, in the last month? But um, this was just to enable them to, to endure the race. They had to go through this kind of rigorous discipline um, in order to be able to compete. And so the aim of life, um, as Paul knew it, is that we run this race in a way so that we can be useful and a pleasing instrument to God. How many want to be a pleasing instrument to the Lord? Yeah. And so that would mean that would be used whenever and wherever God desires. That's the objective of, of the race. In other words, uh, when Paul woke up in the morning, this was the first thing on his thoughts. This is what set the tone of his day. Paul had this man mentality that he wanted to complete his race. Uh, some years ago uh, now, I was um, heavily into sports and fitness. I still do a little bit now. I'm still recovering from a game of badminton with my, my brother just this week. Take me a few days to recover. But um, back in my kind of late teens, my early 20s, I played a lot of sport, um, uh, studied sports, nutrition, science. I went to university to study that. At one point, I was studying, uh, well, not studying, but pursuing a career in sports. And I mixed with all kinds of sportsmen, athletes, basketball players, rugby players, football players, some who went on to jo join high ranks in the Marines and, and different regiments in the army. But one thing that I, that I remember and, and learned so well is that no matter what sport that you play, in order for you to perform at your best and to reach peak performance, you have to put the work in. How many know that? And so... You have to train hard. You have to put the work in. You have to put the hours in. Uh, I remember, you know, pre-season training and all of that, those, all the practicing and the hard work, all the sweat going up those hills and those inclines. And the saying back there was, it's not practice that makes perfect. It's perfect practice that makes perfect. And so they pushed us. But the reason we put all of ourselves into that kind of training was because we were trained to, for, for a purpose. We wanted to be the best. We wanted to win. And so here is the first principle I'd like you just to note today. The first principle of running well is training. Training. And we would accept, you know, in every area of life that, uh, that, that we have to train in order for us to do something well. If you want to become skilled in, you know, medicine or, or law or uh, computer programming or wh whatever it is, you know, carpentry, if you want to be more like Jesus, or if you want to become, you know, like a preacher, you have to put the study in. You have to put the hours in and the preparation. And so the same, though, is true when it comes to the practice of Christianity. 
becoming spiritually mature, for example, uh, stepping up when it comes to gaining wisdom, uh, developing your gifts for ministry. How many know those things are important in the Christian life? All of these things require devotion. And that's just the way it works. If we want to grow in Christ, it's going to take our cooperation. Amen. It's going to take our obedience, uh, the disciplines of prayer, you know, reading your Bible every day, just the basic things for you to be able to put your faith into practice. And so Paul, in this passage, he uses this example of an athlete in training uh, for the big games because of the intense commitment that it takes uh, for athletes to win. They give themselves completely to their sport, training their minds, but also, of course, training their bodies for excellence. And you see, for Paul, in his Christian life, he was set on winning the prize for God in his life. When he got up in the morning, he was thinking about God. When he went to bed at night, I'm sure he was thinking about the Lord. He was thinking about Scripture. And he was ready to give up certain, you know, indulgences um, if they distracted him from the main objective so that he could be uh, someone who God could use. For him, the great objective was to get the prize. And the prize was what? To please God. The prize was to please him in every way. He was living for the audience of one. I wonder today, if I just a quick pause there, I wonder how many of us have that kind of same outlook as Paul did. How many of us have that objective like Paul? Because all of us at some point in our, in our life have to ask ourselves the question, you know, what on earth are we here for? Why am I here on earth? And the Bible tells us the answer to that question, hopefully. It says, God wants you. God intends to use you. God made you with all of your unique abilities and your gifts, all the things that you have, all your quirkiness that makes you you. God made you as you are. God wants to use those gifts and talents to be pleasing to Him. I think one of the saddest things sometimes is when um, people are not using the gifts that God has given them. I want to encourage someone here today that there are, uh, there, there are people here that God has blessed with gifts that are lying dormant. There is treasure and gold in you that's yet to be discovered. God wants to use you in ways that you've never saw, thought possible. And so Paul is saying all of this to, to, to believers and saying there's a danger today of adopting these kind of uh, a lazy kind of um, uh, lifestyles that have no dis self-discipline. Because this is going to affect your race. Paul is saying that, um, that all, this, all this to believers and saying that there is a danger here. He's saying this, this even can happen in his own life. He refused to give way to distractions and laziness. He wasn't perfect in any, in any way, just like us. But he gave himself to what God wanted to do. He worked at it so that he could be more effective in the Christian life. It reminds me, as I was just thinking over this, um, of the story of our Olympic uh, Great Britain uh, bicycling team, which was transformed in the year 2003. I don't know if uh, many of you know the story, incredible story that up until that time, even since kind of the early 1900s, uh, Britain had actually won only one 
uh, gold medal. So it wasn't all that exciting. And so they were really tired of mediocrity, of always kind of like uh, being behind. Anyway, they hired this new director guy and uh, who to try and improve their performance. They looked at everything that goes into riding a bike with the goal of actually being able to uh, improve everything by just 1%. 1%. So they started making these, uh, these small adjustments. They, they started redesigning the, the bikes so they were more comfortable for the riders. Uh, they started um, r- rubbing stuff on the tires to help uh, give a better grip. They got riders to actually start to wear these sensors to monitor um, their workouts. And then they started looking at some other things that were kind of unexpected. They hired a surgeon. They hired a surgeon to teach the riders uh, to, to the best way to wash their hands to reduce the chances of catching a cold or a virus. This is what they did. Because they noticed that many of their athletes, of course, were getting sick, which affected their performance. And so what they do, of course, when the, the riders went to, to the bathrooms, They would wash their hands, they would come out, then they would scan their hands to see if there was any germs left on them. If there was anything left, they would send them right back into the bathroom just to make sure that, of course, they didn't get sick. They did other things. They made the riders, uh, you know, take their pillows wherever they were traveling because they're going from competition to competition. And so they want to make sure that they have a good night's sleep. So they use their own pillows. They watched what they were eating. They looked at their diet more closely. Fast forward five years later. The British cycling team dominated the road and track cycling events in the year 2008, Olympic Games in Beijing. They won 60% of the gold medals available. Four years later, fast forward to the 2012 Olympic Games here in London, they set nine Olympic records and seven world records. Isn't that amazing? And what it shows us is just the value of making small improvements every day. What if we applied that to our lives spiritually? What if we applied that to the church? What if we applied that to church ministry? Paul goes on to to use this picture of a boxer in this portion of Scripture. I just love how Paul used to use these kind of like in the New Testament, just these references to sports. And uh, in Corinthians, I don't know if you're into boxing or not. Certainly now is probably a kind of an exciting time for the, in the boxing world, especially in the, the heavyweight division. You've got AJ Joshua, Tyson Fury, all these other guys around the world uh, that are doing their thing. But one thing I've noticed about the, the sport of boxing is this. The 30 minutes that a boxer spends in that ring is nothing compared to the amount of time preparing. Because the biggest battle for him is not the man in the ring. It's not his opponent. It's the man standing in front of the mirror every morning. Because he's got to run those miles. He's got to train to be the best. He has to take dominion over his body. So as soon as he gets in the ring, he's not, gonna, he's not too tired and weary. He's, he's ready and trained. See, there's nothing that will destroy you more for a battle or a race than getting weary and tired at the wrong time. And so these boxers, you know, they have to train, they've got stamina, perseverance, they have to really push it uh, so they can take a punch or two. And see, often, you know, the biggest enemy that we face in the Christian life is not necessarily the devil, it's ourselves. 
It's our flesh. It's our laziness. It's our tiredness. But to see your inner man has to take dominion over the outer man. Your spirit man has to take dominion over the flesh. Some belts cannot be, 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 be bored. You have to win them. And if you haven't noticed already, I'm sure you have, that the Christian life is, is a life of warfare. And uh, it's not about easy battles. There's no victory without a battle. There are going to be people who are going to try and knock you out of your race. Anybody noticed that before? There are going to be people who are going to try and shout you down. There are going to be people who are going to laugh at you. They're going to mistreat you. They're going to misjudge you. But something inside of you needs to say, God, you brought me here and I'm not budging from my race. I'm here for a reason. God is for you and he wants you to finish your race, not just start your race. Sometimes if we were really honest, it doesn't take much to knock us out the ring. The ring of life itself. And so when the trials come and when the punches come and they come, right? They come in a whole variety of different ways. We easily get knocked out of the ring. We say we cave in and we say, you know, we want to quit. We're saying this is too hard. I didn't sign up for this. You know, I thought my, my, my life before I became a Christian was hard, but now <laughs> things are even worse. And that's the enemy's agenda, is to defeat you. If we were a fly in the devil's locker room, we would see him with all of his demons trying to strategize how to wipe out the church and to make her in, uh, ineffective. Just try and stop them from praying. Just try and stop them from reading their Bibles. Try and just sow some division in those relationships. And so what happens for us is we start focusing on the right, the wrong things. We get distracted from, from running our race. We lose our focus. I love this story about uh, Roger uh, Bannister. And he was the first man um, in the world to, to run a mile under four minutes in uh, May 1954. So pretty much quite some time ago now. But amazingly, after that, um, a guy called John Landy, an Australian, broke that record by 1.4 seconds. And there was a whole series of people started breaking it. And so in August that same year, the two fastest mile runners in the world met for this historic race. It was held in Vancouver in Canada. And it was called the Miracle Mile. It was called the Race of the Century. And the race was on. They both got off to a great start. Both turned for the last lap. Landy was ahead and it looked like he was about to win. But as he neared the finishing line, he lost his focus. He allowed his mind to wonder of where Bannister might be in the race. And so he looked back over his shoulder. He made a quick stumble and Bannister passed him to break the tapes. How would you feel after that? Landy said later, he said, I would have won the race if I hadn't have looked back. Jesus said these words in Luke's gospel that no man having put himself to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That word fit means well-placed or suited for, is fit for the kingdom of God. You and I know that life can, can have all kinds of step setbacks. How many know that? Life can treat us, you know, sometimes some, some, some hard pitches and and um, we may be here today and you've got yourself into a habit of always looking back. 
Maybe those are thoughts of shame over things that you've done or not done. Things that have happened perhaps with your friends and family. But you see, one thing I've learned is this, that you, by looking back, you can learn a whole lot. But life can only be, be lived by looking forward. By fixing your eyes on the prize. Paul says, if you're not willing to give up certain things and press toward the mark to focus your life on a single objective, you will never win. In fact, he says, you will ultimately find yourself disqualified. He says that it can even happen to him. He's preaching all this to all the churches, but he's saying, even I can become disqualified. What's he talking about? He was talking about the fear that he might be set aside. He was talking about uh, losing his ministry, perhaps, or losing his opportunity to, to serve. And it's really amazing when you look at the life of Paul, uh, of how Paul lived with this kind of constant awareness that a day is coming when the sons of God will be revealed. What do I mean by that? When all the world will see the reality of life and Christians are going to look back on their life and they're going to say to themselves, what did I do that counted towards the glory of God? Because all that's going to really matter is that, isn't it? That's the only thing that's really going to stand of any value. There was an eternal perspective that Jesus is coming back. We've been singing about that in that song today. Jesus is going to return. And the early church lived like this. You know, talk about, you know, having to keep on their toes. They thought that the return of Jesus was imminent. And so Paul is thinking of that day. He, he, he's afraid that too much self-indulgence and, uh, um, you know, in the better life, if you want to call it that, is going to trap him. He might fall into this temptation to live uh, for, for himself and ultimately end up on the shelf. No longer able to be used by, by the Lord, no longer used for God's glory. And so in light of all that Paul said to us today, how are we going to run our race? Yes, I need to be prepared. Yes, I need to be fit. I need to be focused. Uh, I need to be trained. But there's one more thing. And it's often something that we make the mistake of. And it's this. We often think that we can run this race on our own. Paul saw the dangers of this. He, he saw that we could become isolated. We can sometimes try to run this race solo. But that's when we can fall away. And I want to tell, us, tell all of us today, friends, is that we were never designed to run this race alone. When we think in the natural, running a race well requires a good support system. Most people think of running as an, indiv an individual sport, but that's far from the case. Even though there is an individual runner, there is a whole team of people who are behind the scenes and that team is vital for that runner's success. There's a coach, there's a physician, there's a dietitian, there's a trainer, there's someone who's carrying the water bottles, a whole support system that's working to help you succeed. And the race's victory wouldn't be possible without the help of a great Team, you and I need a support system. God never intended for us to function alone. That's why the church is so important to our spiritual health. Amen. That's why people need to get themselves back to church as we emerge from this pandemic. 
We need to be together. We need to encourage each other and exhort each other. We were never designed to run this race alone. God never intended for that. That's why the church is so important. I remember, it was, I think it was St. Augustine who said, you know, the great theologian and, and uh, uh, you know, father of Christianity said that, you know, the church is like a hospital where broken people come and they get fixed and they get built up so they can run their race again. We need each other. A couple of verses I'd like to just share with you. Maybe you can jot them down. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Do you love that? Thessalonians 5 verse 11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. We can encourage each other on this race. If someone falls, you can help pick them up. If someone stumbles, you can help build them up. When someone feels like quitting and saying, I'm just ready to hand in the towels, you can say, don't quit now. There's only one, there's only another lap to go. Don't quit. Don't give up. You're almost there. And so I want to ask you, this, you, you, you the question, are you looking to support for others? Are you asking for pe- people to, to help you? Are you developing relationships with, with others so that they can encourage you and you can encourage them? It reminds me of the, this great cloud of witnesses that we read about in the book of, of Hebrews. And... Um, this cloud of witnesses that are in heaven now. And they're cheering us on as we're running our race. They've already run their race, but they're cheering us on, saying, you can make it, you can do it. In fact, yesterday, my wife and I and the family, wider family, we said goodbye to a dear friend yesterday. His name was John Wesley Adams. uh, Someone who was based in the States in Kansas City. And uh, he was a quadriplegic for for over 60 years of his life, but made such a huge impact on people around him and people around the world. Prayed and interceded for revival for so many years. He was a Bible scholar, a teacher, had a PhD, author of many books, helped put together the Fire Bible, over 9 million copies worldwide, over 60 translations. And now he's part of the great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on in our race, amen? And then the author of Hebrews writes this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Don't you just love that verse? Running your race takes perseverance. And this is so important because the race of life is hard. It's difficult. We're hit with so many setbacks uh, and disappointments and, and failures. We do foolish things ourselves. We sin. 
Other people sometimes fail us and disappoint us and we get hurt and discouraged and we want to quit. We're tempted to give up, tempted to abandon the fight. And so the question is, how do we resist this temptation to give up? How do we get the strength to continue? Paul says, by fixing our focus on Christ. You know, when I was at um, school, I uh, was a, a, a sprinter and uh, kind of liked being the, the, the fastest in the school. And it's kind of short-lived, doesn't last very long. But I used to run the 100, uh, 100 meters in the two and uh, sprints, compete in various competitions. You know, that was my race. But put me in a kind of like a three-mile run and I was a completely different runner. I just didn't perform in the same way. I would run out of breath so quick. You know, at times, our days, they feel like a sprint. And at other days, they sometimes feel like a long, hard, hard slog. A painful, you know, uphill climb. And at various times, it can feel exhausting, you know, and, and tedious and discouraging. But check out this, this verse, 2 Corinthians. Uh, Paul said this, We are pressed on every side by troubles but not crushed and broken. We are perplexed because we don't know why things happen as they do. But we won't give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. Amen? We get knocked down, but we get back up again and keep going. Let me say that again. We get knocked down, but we get back up and keep on going. I want to say it again because it makes me feel good. We get knocked down but we keep back up, get back up and keep going. So you need to understand what was going on with Paul when he was writing these these scriptures, these things to the church. He wasn't writing these things from his mansion at the top of a hill or in a kind of a hot tub jacuzzi or after winning the lottery or, you know, having, having a great life. Often he was actually writing these things, sitting in a prison cell, unsure whether he was going to die or not. And Paul's like, we get knocked down, but we get back up. Philippians 3, 12 to 14, counsels believers, not that I have already attained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I am going to do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. When an athlete is racing, he is focused entirely on winning that race. That's all. Anything else would be a distraction that would slow him down. And so the Bible says, be focused on Christ. And just landing here now, and in conclusion, Paul's point is this. If athletes are so dedicated and determined, if they are so willing to sacrifice and to suffer when all they're striving for is some trophy uh, or a few moments of glory that's going to last for a moment, shouldn't we be as dedicated and determined in seeking after Christ? Isn't an eternal weight of glory worth far more than a gold medal? God didn't put us on this earth just to start our race. He wants us to finish this race like champions. Maybe you're here today and you've taken a knock in life. The wonderful thing is that you're still here. You know, you come to church, but you've taken a knock or two in your life. You've been discouraged. You've been, 
you've been hurt, you've been mistreated, maybe you've made a mistake. I want to tell you today, don't quit now. Maybe you know somebody, a friend or family who's ready to quit. Tell them, don't quit now. Get back up in the ring. Get back in the race. You may have fallen, but you don't have to stay down. I want to encourage you today to fix your focus on Jesus. Because Jesus has you. He has all power and he is with you. And he never quits on you. We have a savior who never quit on his mission to rescue humanity, to make a way for salvation for us. He underwent suffering and mistreatment and being misjudged, being misunderstood. He suffered verbal and physical abuse, but he was committed to his mission to go to the cross and purchase our salvation. At any time, he could have said, this is too hard. You know, I didn't sign up for this. This is just too difficult. But see, he had submitted himself to the Father's will and said, not my will, but your will be done. Why? Because you are valuable. Why? Because you are precious in his sight. Jesus went all the way for you. And if he's not going to quit on you, don't quit on him. Jesus will bring you through any challenge that you are going through. Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ and run your race.